What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the sixth episode of the Free Podcast and our second guest episode. And we have on a very special guest. He is a credit card enthusiast, TikToker, um, and really teaches what school didn't about money. Um, His name's Daniel. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's awesome to be here. Really glad to have you. I mean, Throughout this, we'll have some questions from ourselves for the listeners and everything, and we're just really glad to have such a knowledgeable source to talk about these topics. So, really glad to have you. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started on TikTok. I've been following you for about two months now. I mean, back back when you weren't at, you know, the 700,000 mark or whatever, but uh, how long ago was that, and were you expecting to take off like it did? Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting anything to take off uh, anywhere near this or like at all. It's really been a crazy wild ride. Um, I actually started like on social media with YouTube and I did YouTube for almost two years. It was like a year and a half and it completely sucked. I had like 1000 followers. I was making videos every single week, like trying so hard, like 15, 20 hours a week, legitimately putting a lot of effort into my scripting, my filming and all this other stuff, but it just like wasn't clicking. And TikTok was kind of like my last ditch effort to finally make something happen on social media. Um, I installed the app several times. I uninstalled it several times because I thought it was just like people dancing and like flexing their abs. Um, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and then like one time I was listening to a podcast where um, I think it was actually the Graham Stephan show where one of his guests was talking about downloading TikTok and using TikTok and it being really successful for her, even though she wasn't like a dancer. Um, she, she taught the English language and the Russian language. So Marina Lingua, I think it was, is what it was. Um, I follow her on some socials too, but I thought, okay, if this credible person, if this like decent human being is on TikTok and, and is having success with it and is using it consistently to create videos, like I should give it an honest try And so I made a promise to myself to make two videos a week or two videos a day for 30 days and then just like see what what happens out of that. And after those 30 days, I had like 50,000 followers, which was 50 times more than anything that I had built on YouTube in like a year and a half. So I just thought that like I have to buckle down. I have to put some serious effort into TikTok and uh, YouTube took a little bit of a backseat and uh, that's what allowed me to grow TikTok so much. And honestly, all of my growth has been since August uh, or, or maybe it was, yeah, it was late August. So that has been like seven months, six months. I don't know who's, who's counting here, uh, <laughs> but regardless, it's a short period of time and it's just really blown up and I'm super grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I find it really interesting that you started on YouTube. Uh, a lot of the people that you see blowing up now sort of started on TikTok, and I guess you have found your first traction really on TikTok. But uh, I wanted to ask you, how did how has your content shifted from doing that longer YouTube format to doing TikTok, and how do you find what what methods have you used to become more efficient and uh, and effective on that medium? Um, definitely taking the quality of videos that I spent so hard, like trying to master and perfect on YouTube, which like didn't even get me any traction on YouTube, even though I spent like hours and hours figuring out what exactly the right placement is, what exactly the, the, the right light placement is, the right camera placement, the, um, 
you know, how to equalize my audio, how to use LUTs on my footage to make myself like look a little bit better, what kind of cameras to use, where to position my mic, all of this like technical video making stuff that I learned on YouTube and, and basically would have been wasted if I didn't apply it to TikTok. I was able to apply to TikTok. And so my quality like instantly stood out because on TikTok, the norm is just using your front facing camera, the uh, like 720p, you know, iPhone, <laughs> iPhone camera, right. as opposed to my like high end, like DSLR, which has, you know, it's its own fixed lens. And it's uh, really a, a much different setup than what most people are used to. So when they see my video just scrolling through the feed, it really stands out and it grabs their attention, whether they're interested in personal finance or not. So I feel like that gave me quite a bit of a leg up um, on TikTok and what allowed me to stand out a little bit more. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that algorithm on TikTok, it's its too good to not take advantage of. And I've noticed kind of the same algorithm being applied to other social medias. I mean, Instagram itself, uh, the reels aspect of it, I mean, that algorithm is, is just as good. It's pushing just to new audiences and it's, it's great to kind of take advantage of that. But uh, how, how has your YouTube grown from TikTok? Were you able to funnel a lot of that into YouTube? It's difficult because you would think I would be able to, but TikTok actually stunts the videos that are promoting external um, social media sites or external sites in general. So if you have a link in your bio to direct people to your website um, in a promotional video for your website, that promotional video is going to track that users are leaving TikTok for your website, even though it's within the native TikTok browser that they're viewing your website and they don't like that. So they try to kind of stunt those videos. So in general, my YouTube hasn't really taken off a lot. Um, well, I, I should say it has, I'm super grateful for where it is now, but comparatively it's not that great. So I think on TikTok, I'm at like 760 or 770,000 followers, but on YouTube, I'm at 25,000, which is way better than the 1000 I was at before, but it's not like really comparable to my growth on TikTok, which has been just like crazy exponential over these last few months. Right. It's just kind of not in that ratio. And that makes sense. I mean, they're trying to keep you on the app and not funnel you to other things. But uh, we're going to take a shift here. And so you talk about anything from maximizing credit scores to fractional share buying or even buying your first car. So what is the one topic above all of the others that you wish school would have taught younger people to better prepare themselves in their financial lives? Probably how easy it is to buy a house. Um, I know a lot of people think it's super intimidating and that it's like made out to be really complex. Um, buying a house, it's, it's always seemed like the milestone that people get to in their adult life. It's like, oh, I bought a house. And not to discredit or discourage people who have bought their house, that's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations to you for taking that step. But for everyone who's hesitant in doing it because they think it's overly complex or difficult, it's really not that bad. And uh, personally, I think that there are a lot of less intelligent people in real estate. Um, I'm not going to call them idiots because that's that's like straight up offensive. And I don't mean that in a <laughs> disrespectful way. I really respect all my friends who are in real estate doing what they're doing. That Everyone's great that's doing it. Uh, but rather, I say that to encourage the people who are not in real estate to dip their toes in because it really doesn't take that much to be successful. And once you understand the absolute basic principles you can have a lot of success in real estate even if you may not have had any uh experience in it before yeah you're speaking my language there uh, I'm, I'm a real estate agent here and an investor 
uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, that's something that I, I sort of preach out to people is whether you're going into the investment side, if you're looking to pick up some rentals or you're looking to even flip a house or house hack or anything, it's just not that complicated, really. There's people that can help you step through every single part of the equation. And, and it's something that people shy away from because they just don't know how easy and impactful it really can be. And um, and one of the biggest real estate investors I know, he, he claims himself, he says, there's a remarkable number of people with nine-figure net worth with below average IQs only in real estate. And real estate's pre- pretty much the only field that you can find that in. And so that's definitely a really interesting fact. And, I, and I'm glad that you think that and and I'm glad that somebody like you with 700,000 followers thinks that way and because you can have a really large impact on so many people that are going up to buy houses in the near future but one of those components is credit and that's another thing that you know a lot about and so for somebody that is maybe striving towards getting their first house um, what would you suggest steps are to build credit from very baseline beginning Okay, well, first off, I want to say you're completely right in that, like, for anyone listening to this, considering buying their first house and considering deepening their toes into real estate, there are dozens of professionals in the space that are literally there to provide and, and have a fiduciary responsibility to provide you some kind of guidance in buying your first house. It's like, you don't have to know all this stuff yourself. You have a realtor, you have an appraiser, you have an inspector, you have your mortgage officer, you have all these professionals whose literal sole job is to make sure you're successful in buying your house and you understand the process. So definitely, definitely agree with that. But back to credits, um, you definitely have to have a thorough understanding of credits before going into buying a house. Um, Most people, if they've never um, paid attention to their credit before, simply won't be approved for their house. Um, But it's extremely easy to set up, especially if you have no credits right now to uh, take a few short, simple steps to uh, set yourself up for the right credit profile to be able to buy a house in a year or two. But the uh, important part about that is that you kind of have to start earlier, which is why I make so much of a deal out of it and helping my younger audience start building their credit right away. It's completely free and it can really only benefit you in the future. And there are a lot of benefits to having a credit card over using something like a debit card or cash to pay for everything. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So what, so you like to collect credit cards. What are your like top three favorite cards in your collection, I guess, right now, whatever you want to call it? Okay, so for myself personally, um, I, I have three in mind, but I think maybe what would be more useful for the audience is what three credit cards could I recommend to them? Um, because the three cards that I use for myself are a little bit unreasonable for most people. Um, it's the Chase Sapphire Reserve, the uh, American Express Platinum card, and one of my Chase business cards. The combined total of those three cards has a, an annual fee of like $1,500. It's it's unreasonable uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's way too expensive for most people. I know how to right. get around it. I know how to get value that still makes sense for me to do it and even how to avoid some of those annual fees sometimes. But for most people, what I would recommend if they're looking at only three credit cards is by far the Chase Trifecta. And that's the Chase Sapphire Reserve or Preferred, the Chase Freedom Unlimited, or the Chase Freedom or Freedom Flex cards. And they're just an absolute powerhouse when used together. Um, I've made lots of YouTube videos about them, lots of TikTok videos about that three card setup, the trifecta. 
and they funded my first free, few free vacations. And I just like, that's what got me into credit cards. I still use them today quite regularly and it's incredibly powerful. If you've never dipped your toes into credit cards before, look up one of my videos, look up the Chase trifecta, you'll understand everything that I'm talking about. So you mentioned funding vacations and, and I'm assuming that comes from points and everything. But on the other side of that, for for building a credit score, are is that trifecta? Is that something that uh, that sort of specializes in, or are there things that people should uh, sort of go into first? So, as a first credit card, you will need a secured credit card. Most people uh, will will want a secured credit card to start with, because it's very easy to get approved for them. Unless you can inherit your parents' credit with something like an authorized user card. So. The Chase Trifecta isn't the greatest place to start because it's very difficult to get approved for some of those cards. But once you have a baseline of credit set up, it's an absolutely amazing combination of cards. You get uh, a huge amount of rewards uh, from the points you accumulate on them. And the reason you'd want to have three is because they kind of each specialize in their own niches. Um, the Freedom Flex gives you five percent back essentially on rotating categories. The Freedom Unlimited gives you one and a half percent back on everything. And then the Chase Sapphire Reserve or Preferred are great for dining and travel. And the uh, Reserve or Preferred also actually boost the effectiveness of the first two. So it's like if you've ever played um, like Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon, or whatever, you know, you have like those support cards, which like boost <laughs> the rest of them. That's right. exactly what this is. And so it, it like magnifies the effect of the other cards where by themselves, they were pretty good um, used together. They're like an absolute powerhouse. Right, right. I mean, it's it's just so useful to use something like that. And honestly, now I'm going to have to go take a look at that trifecta because I'm a uh, I'm pretty much due for getting a, a new credit card about now. So uh, I'll, I'll have to take a look at that. But say I'm someone who has no idea where to start, no idea kind of what credit is what are some rules or kind of, yeah. So what are some rules that you would say to follow to build my credit efficiently and kind of stay out of that negative effect? The only really negative effect that you could have with credit is if you don't pay your bill off in full on time every single month. So that would be my one recommendation is to always pay your bill in full every single month. You can do this automatically by setting up auto pay um, I have over a dozen credit cards and I have auto pay on all of them. So when this statement date comes around, when the bill date comes around, I don't think about it. It's just automatically paid for my account. And that way I don't have to log in and pay 12 different credit cards every single month or however many I use that month. It's just automatically happens for me. It's very easy to set up on whatever app you're using with the credit card and setting up auto pay will prevent any kind of mispayments or late payments or any kind of derogatory marks in your credits. And it'll help you avoid interest payments and late fees. Yeah, and that's something that uh, that I think that schools should teach. And, and oh, there's a large aspect of finance that I think that schools should teach, uh, notably how to budget. And while there are home ec classes, I think that's something that is a uh, that is definitely not taught enough. Investing is not taught enough. Uh, even if you go to a business magnet school, it's not taught enough. Uh, even the practicalities of in college with a finance degree, Sam and I are both pursuing finance degrees. And uh, even even the practicalities on investing, on how to actually open an account, get started, get set up, they're just not taught. And I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you thought 
or that you think are not taught in schools that should be? Um, definitely a deep understanding of credit cards and credit and like the, uh, the real rules behind financing all of this stuff. I, I say that because I have an experience with credit cards and with credits and loans and, and financing things. But most of the constraints that people think would limit them um, in getting a credit card or getting a house or getting a car or all these things that are essential, even getting an apartment or getting approved for utilities or like having good credits, you know, your future employer can check that. All of this stuff, which seems like a really fixed and rigid, like rule-based system is extremely flexible. Like you don't need a down payment to buy a house. You don't need a an amazing credit score to buy a house. You don't need a lot of employment history to buy a house. You don't have to have real estate experience or work experience to buy a house. None of those things are really concrete. And you can, for example, buy real estate without having all those things or even a combination of some of those things. You just need the knowledge of how to get around those. And if you're missing like one part of the system, how to kind of like cover that gap with other aspects. So when when a loan officer tells you no, you can't buy a house because you don't have $40,000 to make a down payment. First, that loan officer is misleading you. But second, you need to know that there is always a way to do it. And that's true with uh, with just about anything in terms of credits or, or financing. It just takes some education to close that gap because you don't actually need to have those things. That makes sense. I mean, those, those are... Those are definitely not taught. I don't remember learning that. And like Andrew said, even with our finance degrees, I'm also a double major in accounting. I mean, it's so corporate revolved that they aren't teaching kind of the fundamentals of how do I apply this to my own life? I mean, it's great if I can apply it to a corporation, but that doesn't keep money like in my bank and not, you know, loaning it out or just losing it altogether. So it's it's really kind of interesting how they keep it revolving around the employer and not kind of, you know, back onto you. Here's my virtual fist bump to my other uh, accountant across the screen. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. My tax classes were terrible because I didn't pay attention because I didn't care because almost none of it applied to me. I was never going to like reasonably use 90% of, of what the class taught me, but I would go home after those classes and watch a bunch of YouTube videos about personal finance, real estate, which I actually use now, which actually increased my net worth and which allowed me to leave my accounting job to, to do something <laughs> that is, is much more profitable. Right. Yeah. And you said you watched YouTube videos. So what, what YouTubers did you start on? Like who, who was, who was kind of the biggest influencers in your life for personal finance? Graham Stefan and me, Kevin were definitely two of the biggest ones. Um, I also had a large influence uh, from uh, Pockets, mostly from their podcasts and from their books, but I guess it's also like social media. Um, I would watch some of their YouTube videos. But basically, I, I started out um, about two and a half years ago or maybe three years ago now, just watching all of Graham Stephan's videos and understanding that content, having like a teacher outside of school was really cool to me, especially when he talked about things that were actually interesting. And I used his tips to implement um, them into my own life. And I really saw like almost instant benefit from it. So definitely encourage everyone that's listening to this podcast, uh, find more resources. It doesn't have to be YouTube. It doesn't have to be Graham, Stefan, or me, Kevin. It doesn't have to be books or podcasts, but find some other resource like this podcast that you can 
refer to and, and kind of learn from on a consistent basis because school definitely won't teach you enough. Right. You got to make sure you smash that like button. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I think I started about a year and a half ago, two years as well. Yeah, Graham was in there. Uh, Meet Kevin was in there. Ryan Scribner, Nate O'Brien, uh, just kind of all of the bigger institutionalized uh, YouTubers were in there and they were, th I learned more in those two years than I learned in the past like 14 years. I mean, it's, it's so wild what you can learn just by a simple Google search and personal finance is one of them. And, and one, of, one of the things I like to say is, right, you, you can probably blame the education system for not teaching personal finance and, and not mandating it. And it'll probably put you behind a little bit, but as soon as you start getting older and you're 25 or 30, there, there probably gets an expiration date where you can, you know, stop blaming the education system because the resources are out there. I mean, your TikTok is out there. Your YouTube is out there. There are 30 second clips where you can learn about credit cards and then you can go do further research on it. So it's, it's really amazing kind of what the digital age has provided us with, especially in terms of personal finance. I'm definitely not mad at the education system. I'm not one of those yeah. guys that's like, darn, school never teaches anything <laughs> useful. I, I definitely think that what uh, is taught in school is very useful for becoming an employee and succeeding in the corporate world or maybe in the small business world. However, it's not uh, very useful for personal finance, and people definitely have to take responsibility to uh, learn outside of school. That's, that's what I'm trying to say, is if you mm -hmm. are relying on school to teach you everything, you're going to be uh, greatly deficient in, in what you know about uh, personal finance and money and taking care of yourself financially. Um, so you definitely have to do external research on top of what um, you learn in school. And so we talked about like a couple of these people that influence you and, and those are the same people that influence me and the same pe people that influence Sam. But I want I was wondering a little bit about um, how did you make that transition from being the student to being one of the teachers? I just started documenting my real estate journey on YouTube. Uh, and it was that like year and a half, almost two years where I was just making videos about my rentals. It wasn't really going anywhere. Um, and I felt like I was having a lot of success in real estate, uh, buying properties, uh, flipping properties, and just getting a lot of great success from that. So I thought that other people would be able to benefit um, from just like learning with me. And then eventually it transitioned to me uh, kind of having a specialty in the niche, specifically in credits and financing homes. Uh, my like not claim to fame, but like, I don't know how to say it in a less arrogant way. <laughs> like, like what most people know me for is, is buying houses with zero dollars. So financing the entire property using flexible lenders who don't require 20% down, who don't require amazing credits um, and all of these other flexibility um, like factors to be able to buy my real estate with almost no money down. Um, I could finance repairs potentially um, I use cash, but potentially I could do it with credit cards that I don't have to pay back for over a year, flipping those properties and essentially in the net being paid to acquire properties that cash flow every single month. And eventually that added up to outpacing my accounting income, which allowed me to full time sit in my living room and make TikTok videos. <laughs> uh, what is your what is your uh, your portfolio look like now? Are you more towards the rental side? Do you still flip houses? And what do you want to where do you want it to go over the next two, three to five years? So in the beginning, I was really focused on long-term rentals and buying properties that uh, had as much cash flow as possible. 
Since then, I've kind of strayed away from that, uh, understanding that the higher the cash flow, usually the higher the management expense and the management expense being my management company. So it's not something that I look to increase. Um, and I'm now favoring a little bit more of lower income producing properties with a higher uh, appreciation and principal pay down potential uh, in a higher kind of like asset class with with higher class tenants. So before I was going after C and maybe C minus properties. Uh, now I'm going after B plus and A properties. And so I'm making that transition to my portfolio. Right now I'm sitting, I think at nine units uh, and like 1.5 million in assets, um, but I'll be soon transitioning that. And as I like liquidate some of these properties, I think I'll be pushed up closer to 2 million. Um, just in, in realizing the appreciation, uh, the principal pay down, and then also the, uh, well, not the principal pay down, but the uh, improvements that I've made to those properties. So it's not much, like technically I'm still a beginner, um, but I, I've gotten to that point, the, the almost 2 million mark in just about two years, uh, doing this all on the side while having an accounting job or now transitioning to making YouTube and TikTok videos full time. Yeah, and that's something that I know that Sam loves to hear is that you were doing that on the side while having your other job. Um, what was that timeline? I know you said that it let you replace that. How long was that period from very start, very beginning, maybe getting your first place until you were able to leave and sort of focus on social media? Um, I was definitely a little bit more cautious than I needed to be. But in my first year of real estate investing, I purchased um, a little over a million dollars in real estate. It was $1.1 and all of those were rentals that were paying me uh, cash flow every month. And just after that first year, I was able to uh, potentially leave my job and just had enough uh, passive income coming through the cash flows to, to be able to allow me to do so. Um, and but I, I should clarify, like I, I want anyone hearing this not to like think as like me bragging about it, but rather use it as motivation to like try to get into real estate themselves because really it it only takes like one solid year of, of really diligent effort, finding the right properties. And I'll be honest, I made a lot of mistakes. I could have done it way better knowing what I know now. Um, and I, I definitely didn't have a bunch of real estate experience going into it. I didn't have family that like bankrolled me. I did it all with $23,000 of my own money. Um, and I didn't have like years of, of uh, experience in the industry to be able to pull that off. It just took a few months of, of really dedicated work and research going into it. And then I was able to uh, just take what I knew and, and applied it uh, to, to real estate. Yeah, exactly. And for the people listening, it's, and, and like you said, it's not, it's not you bragging. It's, it's showing how realistic it is for somebody to change their life through real estate. And so, well, of course, you you are an expert in credit cards, and, and that's what I, I know your content as is credit cards and, and sort of being able to uh, document your real estate journey, and that's something that I was very interested in. I'm really, I'm really glad to know that um, you were able to do this in such a short amount of time, and you were able to find freedom for yourself. So, um, so my follow-up question was, in five years, where do you want that to be? Where do you want, do you have number goals? Do you have unit goals? Do you have uh, just time goals? Do you want to have complete freedom where you just don't have to do anything? What are you, uh, what are you looking at doing? Yeah, complete freedom to where I don't have to do anything doesn't sound very fun. I was, um, <clears throat> I, I kind of, I'm already there. I don't really like need to, need to push that hard, but um I like doing what I'm doing now on YouTube and on TikTok. So my focus is to expand that. 
real estate is cool, but the couple hundred extra bucks a month that I would make from acquiring another units or uh, maybe another two units to give me an extra $400 a month uh, right now isn't a noticeable difference uh, to, to my day to day. Um, and acquiring properties to uh, do a flip and getting a quick 20 or 30,000 isn't like I, I hate to say it's not worth my time because it technically is, but uh, it's a lot of effort that I would be putting into real estate where I think the next best biggest investment for me would be more into social media, more into TikTok and YouTube. So that's where I plan on growing my business. <clears throat> Do you plan on, oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, please. Do you plan on just TikTok and YouTube or do you plan on other platforms like Instagram or Twitter or are you just focusing on the soul too that kind of you've built that baseline following and that's where you're going to expend your energy? I don't understand Twitter at all. I, I also hate LinkedIn. <laughs> so those two, I, I'm not going to venture into those. I posted twice in 2020 on Insta, excuse me, uh, on Instagram. So I don't think that I'm going to really do too much there. Uh, but I really... Um, I'm a huge fan of um, expanding on on what's working well and where your comparative advantage is. And my comparative advantage is on TikTok and hopefully soon YouTube. So I'm going to continue uh, <laughs> pushing really hard on there and not try to build up my weaknesses, but more so focus on my strengths. Um, I know other people might disagree with that, but it's what's worked for me so far. So I'm going to keep chugging along with that. Uh, but I do have a lot of plans to expand my brand in both of those um platforms like I've, I've been hiring like crazy i hired two people last month um i'm planning on getting another two people on this month one i'm kind of already working with but not on a long-term contract and um hopefully by the end of the year i'll have like at least a dozen employees um with me kind of helping me scale my business and have a lot of structure and um systems behind uh posting on youtube and tiktok I know a lot of people think that I just like whip out my front facing camera and like <laughs> talk for five seconds and press upload. But there's a lot of planning that goes into my videos. There's a lot of organization. So hiring writers, editors, uh, digital product managers, um, a whole ad team behind me. And then all of this other stuff uh, really does take a lot. And so that's where I'm planning to focus more of my effort on because the return on investment there, in my opinion, is it's way greater than real estate and real estate isn't really truly passive so any investment that i have of my time in real estate could probably be better used on social media yeah absolutely and and those projects uh as you're hiring people are there any projects that we can get a sneak peek into things that we can expect to come from your page absolutely that's a great question um i have a a weekly giveaway that i do called money quiz and it's mostly for my TikTok audience. I push it a lot on there, but basically it's a weekly giveaway. Right now, I think it's like $200 that I'm giving away every single week to people who can pass my three question money quiz. <laughs> it's super simple. It's meant to be extremely inclusive. You can play from anywhere. You don't have to live in the US or whatever. I pay you through an Amazon gift card. So I, you don't even have to have a bank account to play. And I really try to make it fun and exciting for people to be able to watch my content and learn from it. And then the same content that week is on the quiz so they can take the quiz and hopefully get the questions right and uh, be entered in for a chance to win. So I'm doing a lot there. Um, I'll let you guys know because I, I know that this is coming out next week, but uh, I do have an app that's coming out, hopefully by the end of March, specifically for that. So I'll be putting a lot of time and effort into it. Will that be out by the time that this episode drops sometime like late, ne late next week? 
maybe not, but they can look forward to it uh, by the end of the month. And just uh, you can access Money Quiz on my TikTok. If you have a TikTok, open it up. If you don't, um, DM me on Instagram. I'll send you I'll send you a link to sign up and play. But there are literally like tens of thousands of people playing Money Quiz. Um, the, I, I'm hoping to expand the prizes. We just got a few uh, sponsors for it. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be giving away thousands of dollars every single week for people who are signed up and, and play to learn about finance. That's very exciting, and I'm really glad to see that that's happening. And so if somebody's listening to this out there and you're not playing Money Quiz on Daniel's TikTok, I don't know what you're doing. Go over there, follow him, and get involved with this because that's a great opportunity to potentially get $200 Amazon gift card and to see it expand like this and to see you launch an app here soon. That's really great to see. And, um, and, and, and it definitely shows me that you're right, that TikTok is a really great or YouTube is a really great utilization of your time. Um, do you have any tips for people that are wanting to get started in either of those realms? I definitely recommend TikTok over YouTube right now <laughs> because the barrier to entry is a lot lower. Um, I didn't start with my front facing camera on TikTok, but you definitely can. That's what the platform's designed for. The barrier to entry is really low. You don't need a DSLR and a, a fancy lens and all this studio lighting equipment and, and microphones and everything. You can get started with literally your phone and be really successful on TikTok. That's how most people are making it right now. Uh, YouTube is a lot more difficult. And even with years of experience and you know professional uh, filming um, experience, it, it can be a little bit more difficult. But I definitely don't think you should give up just because it's hard. So if you really want to be on TikTok, if you really want to be on YouTube, do it, uh, give it a try and give it an honest effort for at least a month before you give up on it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But uh, okay, so one last question. So as far as the niche goes, the finance niche, do you see it as becoming almost too oversaturated, almost as if a lot of creators are kind of making the same thing? Or do you think that there's still a lot of room for growth and uniqueness within it? That's a great question. I don't think it's oversaturated. I think it's way undersaturated because there are a lot of people making content, but there aren't a lot of really influential creators in the space yet that are recognized by a large audience. I mean, like when you listed off a few of those names, how many do you list, like five? Yeah, I, if, I, <laughs> if I was to make a total of like in my head, people with over 100,000 followers in the YouTube space, um, I, I might be able to get to 20. That's nothing compared to like mm. the entire internet, the entire world who is ready to consume financial content. And if you, you know, extrapolate this to another niche like um, technology or even cell phones, or let, let's like niche even further, let's niche into Apple cell phones. Do you know how many creators there are making content about <laughs> Apple cell phones on YouTube? Hundreds. There are, there are literally over 50 with 100,000 followers on YouTube. And when you when you compare that to finance, where there are like, you know, 20, it's it's really not even a comparison. I think there's a lot more room to go. I think that the production quality is going to increase a lot. And when people really realize how much money there is to be made and how much of an influence there is and how important this is to talk about, there's going to be a lot more corporate money. There's going to be a lot more private money pushed into creating content on YouTube, on TikTok, and all these platforms for personal finance. Right. Like once you start seeing like the Apple reviewers, like, and their entire like <laughs> studio setup and like perfect microphone, and then their editors working like 40 hours a day, 
editing their content and they've got like 20 people in the background writing the script, like that's when I think it might start to get oversaturated. <laughs> but right now it's, it's Graham Stephan sitting in his garage making content with, <laughs> with, his, with his assistant. So it's like, I think we're far from it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's more people that just specialize in doing the renegade on TikTok that have over 100,000 followers than personal finance. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about like a niche that's super oversaturated. I mean, it's the gaming niche is the one that I came that just popped into my mind was like kind of gaming and entertainment. I'm just like, that's a really good point. The amount of people on YouTube or Twitch or or something in the gaming or entertainment community oh my gosh, there's like no one in finance. I can only think of like 15 off my head. So yeah, I think it's a really good point you made that there's so much room to grow. Yeah, it would be like taking PewDiePie like back 10 years or whatever <laughs> when he was at, I think Graham is at like 3 million subscribers. When PewDiePie was at 3 million subscribers, like that's the time we're in now. And when PewDiePie was at 3 million, like no one was doing gaming content. And now like so many years later, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of people doing it. And I think finance will follow a similar trajectory. Maybe not quite as big as gaming. I understand the popularity of gaming. But what I'm trying to say is that we're far from saturated. Yeah, absolutely. And so as your as your channel expands and as your YouTube expands and it has that longer platform, um, what can I expect to see? Are you going to focus more on real estate? Are you going to focus more on personal finance, credit cards, um, a combination of all three? What should I expect uh, as you grow? Personal finance and credit cards, definitely. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I'll be creating a lot of content on real estate just because I think that there are so many people that already do a really great job and that are already way more successful than I ever will be in real estate. But I really like personal finance. I like credit cards and I like the introductory stages. Um, I want to be one of the first people uh, that, that new viewers, new people into the personal finance space come across and can rely on to help them through those first few stages. You know, I'm not making videos for people who have $10 million in real estate invested and are looking to do their next syndication. That's not me. But I will help someone apply for an FHA loan and make sure that they have all of their bases covered to get into their first rental property. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's very exciting. And I think that's a wide open niche uh, and something that I wish I came across several years ago when I was very first getting into it. And so uh, I'm definitely really excited to see where your channel goes. Thanks. Yeah. So I think with that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. Daniel, it was great having you on here. You talked about a lot of great stuff. Uh, we'll link all of your TikTok, YouTube, uh, new app coming out. Yeah, we'll definitely hit hit that up on our channel as well and promote that but uh it was great having you on um great topics yeah thank you so much thanks so much for coming daniel i really had a great time talking to you and i think that our viewers are really going to love it thanks andrew thanks sam